Uh, let's go to God in prayer as we open up our time together. Uh, God, we are grateful for a day, uh, a day in which we come together, uh, come together as brothers and sisters, uh, people who are united by the blood of your Son and our Savior. We thank you for the moments that we share, uh, for the moments of joy, for the moments of trial. We thank you for the, the different ways that you bind us together through the different avenues and aspects and activities of life. But we are grateful that we have a body of people in which we are able to share those things. And we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We struggle with those who struggle and we celebrate with those who celebrate. We pray for these next moments, God, as we open your word, that you would um, soften our hearts, enable us to be shaped, molded, and transformed into the creations that you've called us to be. That we would continue to be shaped into your image, to your likeness. That we would strive to seek your will, and that as we leave this place, we will have the boldness and the courage to follow where your spirit leads. Grant us your wisdom, Father. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to look through a series here in, uh, on Sunday nights called Damaged Goods. And, and the question we really answer is, how do we deal with difficult times uh, in life? Aspects that come, um, sometimes it's you know consequences of life, sometimes it's just the natural flow of life, but Look at the different ways in which we deal with trials that come our way in life. Look at different, different scriptures that come about that kind of give us some, uh, I, I'm going to say wisdom, because we're going to talk about wisdom today, but give us some wisdom in this area. Um, James chapter 1 is where we begin this series. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. James read that for us a moment ago. Um, I want to go back and I want to pick up in verse 2 and kind of set the stage for what he talks about there in verse 5. Um, and this really kind of sets the, sets the stage for the whole series as well. James says in James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. Um, I don't know about you, that is not my first instinct. Uh, when life st- starts to go a little sideways, um, joy is not the first thing that springs off of my lips and certainly is not the first thing that really wells up in my heart. Like, yay! <laughs> Maybe that's because we equate joy and happy. Um, I don't have to be happy to be joyful. And just because I'm joyful doesn't mean I have to be happy. But James says, consider it a great joy when you experience various trials. Here's why. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Um... You know, so James has given us this picture here, right? That it is through the different trials that we face 
that we are molded, that we are shaped. Uh, we talked about growth and maturity this morning. Well, part of that maturation process is going through trials, going through difficult times. And then he read what we, or then he writes what we read a moment ago in verse five. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. There's a lot going on here in these very few statements that James makes. So we have some of these little sayings, right? Sometimes it makes it a little easier to remember Sometimes it helps us understand a concept a little more. Uh, but if I ask you, what is integrity? Um, maybe not all of you, but likely most of you will re- recall this saying that says, integrity is what you do when no one is watching. Um, you know, we have ways of kind of summarizing what integrity is. Uh, maybe you've heard grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. Right? So we have these kinds of things that come up. Um, justified is another one. I had a professor that said, if you, you know, what does it mean to be justified? Well, if you are justified, if I am justified, it is just as if I'd never sinned. Like, that's a pretty good way of remembering those things. Here's another one that we use a lot when it comes to counseling and ministry, and it is this. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Sometimes you have to say it a few times to realize that, right? And so when you're, when you're dealing with people, and people are people who have been hurt by someone, the first thing I ask is, is it possible that this person who has hurt you is someone who has been wounded in one way or another. Because what frequently happens when we are hurt is we get into this fight mode, this kind of self-preservation mode that just starts swinging at anything that comes close. And it's easy to end up hurting others in the process. When we are hurt... We're going through some of these things, some of these trials, some of these tribulations, these things of life that wound us. The first thing we're going to look at is is how do we respond? The first thing that we're going to look at in this series is this. We seek wisdom. To seek the wisdom of God in moments of hurt, in moments of trial, in moments where we have big things to overcome. Because if we are left to our own devices and left to our own resources, what we end up doing is hurting the people around us that are here to help us because we are hurt. It's taken me a long time to get to a point where I can step back from something and just say, you know what? I'm just going to let that simmer for a minute. 
Because here's what I know. I know if I respond right now, what comes out of my mouth and what comes out of my heart is not going to be what God desires of me. And so I'm just going to walk away. And I'll fight this battle a different time, a different way. In a different, in a different mindset. It's not easy. Right? Because, because my natural instinct is, is to make this defense of myself, of my integrity, of my character, when I feel like I'm being attacked. And seeking God's wisdom takes time. We talk about wisdom, right? And, and you can have the ability to see right and wrong but not have the kind of spiritual fortitude or the spiritual strength or the mental strength to actually make the decision to do what is right. Right? I mean, there's a lot of times I can look and I say, I know the right path, but (laughs) I can't go that way. I've also known people in my life who have the spiritual stamina and the strength and the ability to do whatever they want. They don't care what you think. They just want to do what's right. But what they don't have is they don't have the ability to see right and wrong. At least as far as God is concerned because they haven't had that education or that upbringing or that desire. And they will boldly stand for what they believe to be right and they don't care what it costs them but they just haven't had the ability to see what is right and what is wrong because they haven't been trained in it. The wisdom of God is a means of combining both having the ability to see what is right and the strength to make that choice. And to seek wisdom To seek wisdom means that we seek for God to put us in a place where we have spent the time in His Word to know what the right thing to do is. But at the same time, we have spent enough time with His Spirit and with His presence that we also have the strength to make that choice. Even when it might cost us something greater. Because here is the truth when we are hurt. When we have been hurt in one way or another, God is able to give us the wisdom to make the right decisions if we are willing to submit to Him. Heather has asked me on more than one occasion, how do you always know what to say? Like if, if the kids are dealing with something at school and we've got to deal with a teacher um, or if she had to deal with a parent or, or a coworker, she's like, I need you to write me a letter that I can give to somebody because if I write it, it's not going to be pretty. She's like, how do you have, always have the right words? I'm like, I don't. But I have violated this principle enough in my life that I have learned that if I kind of just step back and ask this simple question, if Jesus were writing this letter, what would he say? You know, and it is frequently not what I want to say. 
it is frequently not the kind of attitude or the mentality that I want to possess or take forward because I have pride. Right? I, I, have, I have an ego. I have a desire. And that is hard for me to put away. It is hard for me to put aside. It is much easier for me to put your ego aside. And I can tell you exactly what the right thing is to say for your situation. What I frequently have to do is call friends of mine and say, look, here's what I'm going through. What do I do? Because I can't make this decision for myself. I can make it for you, and I can make it for him, and I can make it for them. Because I... It's not costing me anything to make those statements. But that's really put to the test when it comes to my own life, isn't it? And I tell you, when, when someone cuts you so deeply, especially when it is someone that you love a brother a sister a family member a friend it is so hard to stop and to step back and say I need the wisdom of God to handle this But that's what, it, that's what we have to do when we are going through these things. Because if we are left to our own devices, not only will we, will we not weather those storms well, we won't weather them well physically or spiritually. Just put it that way. They take a toll on, our phys- on us physically and they take a toll on us spiritually when we fail to seek God's wisdom in those moments. And sometimes those moments can be so dark that it's hard to imagine how anything good could come of it. And James says, consider it joy because this is how you are sharpened. God is working on you. He is shaping you. He is molding you. And you know what happens when things are shaped and molded, it's not comfortable. It hurts. I had Osgood Schlaughter in my knees when I was growing. The doctor just called it growing pains. Let me tell you something. Pain didn't describe it. I would. It was two knots right on the right on the end of my knee, um, and I grew so fast that it was. It, I think I was like five foot tall when I started the ninth grade. And when I finished the ninth grade, I was, a, I was about 6'1". I was as tall as I was going to be. That's a lot of growth in a year. I'm glad I wasn't buying my jeans. <laughs> it's like, just wear shorts, all right? Wear shorts until you stop growing. Um, but, you know, what would happen is when, you, when I would scoot into a table, I would hit that little leg, and it would hit right on that spot. And I'll tell you, the, the pain would just... 15-year-old boy, and I'd be laying in the kitchen or in the cafeteria of the school crying because it hurt so bad. 
playing basketball, I'd fall and hit a knee right there. Oh, man, it was just, it was so painful. Growing pains, right? Growing is painful. It hurts in different ways. Being sharpened, in order to be sharpened, that means material has to be scraped away. That edge has to be made um, sharp, and by making it sharp, you're taking away a lot of the metal that, it, that is already there, and that's when we are sharpened, it's not comfortable. James says, this is how God is shaping you. Consider it joy when you face these trials because it is through those trials that you learn about yourself. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And endurance must do its complete work so that you be, may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. How do we consider joyful times of suffering? We seek God's wisdom. Uh, if we go over to Proverbs, in Proverbs, um, we see uh, blessings from God's wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4. Chapter 4? Yeah, Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> Let's read it, and we'll go through and look at the different ways that God's wisdom helps us to get through some of these times. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of grace on your head, and she will give you a crown of beauty. This sounds kind of like a love poem here. Do we have that kind of a desire and a pursuit of God's wisdom? We should. We should. Um, what we see here is first this, and that is, all right, it's got a little lag. There it is. Wisdom brings understanding, right? See this a couple of times through this passage. Get wisdom, get understanding. And if you don't get anything else, make sure you get understanding, right? Because it's hard for us to just understand bad stuff happening. I can justify it, you know, I can say it's just the nature of living in a fallen world, that bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, bad things just happen because the world we live in, it's just messed up. And while I can justify that, I don't really understand it, but when we seek God's wisdom, the wisdom of God helps us to understand what it is that goes on. It helps us to understand the way we can have joy. It helps us understand the way those trials shape us and mold us and help us to mature because we learn about ourselves. Um, wisdom brings protection. If I can learn to act on the wisdom of God, it brings protection because if I act on my own wisdom and my own desire, the only thing that brings about is destruction. 
Because when I am left to respond in my own way and in my own time and in my own selfish desire and ambition, not only is it going to mean destruction for me, but it's going to destroy all of the things around me. Because it's just our nature. But the wisdom of God brings protection. The wisdom of God keeps watch. There's an aspect here of God's wisdom that is such a, it's got this long view, right? And how many times, how many times do we find ourselves in a place in life where we just need someone to keep watch over us? And in times of trial, there's times where it's just like, I just need to rest, but here's the thing, I can't rest because I don't want to get hurt again. I know whatever it is that hurt me is coming back for round two or three or four. And so you're always on edge. Always looking for the next blow that's coming. But the wisdom of God allows us to take rest in Him so that His wisdom may keep watch over us. It protects us from the destruction that comes from our earthly wisdom. And it exalts Trust in wisdom, and she will exalt you. And if we are exalted by the wisdom of God, we are exalted in a way that is pure, that is holy. We see in Philippians chapter 2, you see the humility that Jesus exhibits, and because of the humility that he displays, he is raised up by God. And so that at the last day, he will be lifted up, and he said he will be given a name that is above every name because he is exalted by God. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves before God, and he will lift you up. Wisdom brings us to that place of humility before God so that he may exalt us, that he may lift us up. And when we are lifted up by God, we are sure that we can't fall because He is unwavering and He is steady and He is faithful. She keeps watch, she exalts, and she brings honor. What I have found from my own experience is my own experience is generally less than honorable. My own response doesn't bring about respect. It's not very loving, it's not very compassionate, and frequently it is not very Christ-like. But the wisdom of God brings us to a place where we can bring honor both to God's name and to the relationship or to the situation that's going on. Because it is God's wisdom that we are relying on. We've learned, we, we're trying to learn how to remove ourselves from the equation and say, all right, I'm hurt. I'm wounded. And I know what happens to wounded things. You ever come up on a wounded animal? Be careful. You might be trying to help, but you don't know how wounded animals are going to respond. My grandfather knew a man who was killed uh, by a buck that had been tangled up in his fence. 
Um, he saw him, his antlers had gotten twisted up. He couldn't get free. And the more he wrestled, the tighter he got tangled. And so he went out there and he cut him loose. And as soon as he cut him loose, uh, that buck turned and gored him right in the ribs and killed him. Because you don't know how wounded animals are going to respond. And here's what I'll tell you. As unpredictable as wounded animals are, wounded humans are even more unpredictable. They fight. They fight with everything that they have. I know because I've been there. The wisdom of God takes us out of the moment and says, God, what would you have me do in this space? What are you trying, what are you trying to get me to learn? How are you trying to shape me? How is this supposed to make me better and more like you? I can't come to that on my own. I can only come to that through the wisdom of God. And when we respond with God's wisdom, not only is God honored and glorified in that response, but the situation that we are in, the people that we are dealing with, are honored as well. And wisdom recognizes grace. And maybe this is the biggest point of it all, because what it all comes down to is what we have to learn to recognize is how much grace we have been shown. Uh, because we, we frequently live with this idea that God's grace is big enough to cover all of the sin that I have. And you better hope that if you have sin in your life, it's less than what I have. Because we're not willing to give grace in the same measure and greater measure than what we've been given. Even if we know that we should, we're often not willing to. Maybe that's because we don't always recognize how much grace we've been given. We don't recognize how much grace we have been shown by God and how far He has come to redeem us, to restore us, back to be the people that He has asked us to be and created us to be. The wisdom of God recognizes how much grace we have been given and how much grace we have to share. And through the grace of God, we can, we can make it through those storms and we can make it through those times of hurt, those times of violation. It is not easy. It's not easy to take ourselves out of the equation, is it? The thing is, when you look at Scripture, what you see, it's this very simple truth that over and over and over again, God uses damaged people to do very powerful things. I mean, look at the different people that, that he used to accomplish his, his people. Look at the kings. Look at the people in David's lineage and the lineage of Jesus. You find liars. You find murderers. You find adulterers. You find prostitutes. You find people that have all kinds of chinks in their armor. 
You find people who exhibited great faith and who exhibited poor faith. And the thing is, he uses them all. He uses all who are willing to stop, take themselves out of the equation, and in the end, surrender to his wisdom. That's really the only reason and the only way someone like David can be called a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a good father. He wasn't a good husband. He was a good king. But man, did he continue to do the, thing, the wrong thing time after time after time. But here's the thing about David. As many times as he failed, he continued to seek God's will and God's wisdom. He always acknowledged when he messed up. He continued to pursue God. And he continued to be contrite for his mistakes in life. And he continued to seek God's wisdom. Because the wisdom of God can repair the brokenness in our lives. The Japanese um, was reading a an article about pottery that they have. And, and frequently what they will do with pottery when pottery is broken is they will take it and they will fill the crack or the crevice with gold. Because they believe that a, that a crack or something that is filled with gold makes that um, vessel even more valuable. Because it makes it unique. The trials that we endure do something very similar to us. They shape us, they mold us, and they make us into this very unique creation. Valuable beyond belief. If we will seek the wisdom of God in the midst of it. 